Uh, good morning, people of faith. Because uh, that's where we're landing today, so I'm sorry to spoil the end of my message, but that's who you are, and uh, we're going to look at and explore um, that a little together. So if you want to find Philippians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to be in verse 1 to 15, I just, yeah, I, I kind of want to start by debunking a bit of myth about faith, I think, because I often hear people say, this is something they struggle with. Have you ever heard that or heard yourself say it? I know I have. And yet the truth is, Jubilee, you are designed for faith. Since you were born, you have had to put faith in things and people and circumstances all around you every single day. It's just how the world works. And so we're actually wired to have faith. When the problem arises is when the thing or the person or the situation doesn't pan out how we expect it would. Like the time that I put my confidence in an item of furniture <laughs> when reading to my year three class. And my faith was misplaced. And when they had checked briefly that I wasn't too seriously injured and finished laughing, I then found something that was a little firmer for me to sit on. Uh, such fun in teaching. We're designed to live by faith. You were designed for this. You are designed to live by faith. I just want you to hear that. Because it's a lie to say, well, we struggle with it. It's just some people have it, some people don't. Mm, perhaps not. Perhaps it's about the placement of that faith that we need to explore. And sometimes the very things that we look around and we think we can be most confident in, or we look inwardly and we think we can be most confident in, are actually the places that are least reliable. And so we're finishing off the series in uh, Philippians that we've been exploring. Uh, we're looking at imitating Christ and Christ's example of faith to us was pretty straightforward in that he listened to his father in heaven and he did that. So we'll get there. As usual, the answer is Jesus. <clears throat> so let's read uh, chapter 3 and we're going to read from the start of the chapter through to verse 15. It says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for we, it is we who are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God, as we've done this morning, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself 
have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, Paul tells us. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, and as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul's writing ironically here. Okay, don't misunderstand. He's not commending this to you. Because he says, verse 7, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness that comes uh, of my own, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I do like the way Paul finishes this little bit. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. That's not very subtle, is it, Paul? I think we're to listen to what he has to say. So he explores here three places where we can be tempted to put our confidence or our faith. The first of those is the flesh, the second is the law, and the third is our own power. Now, flesh is a strange term. I don't know how many times you use that in your average day. Uh, it's a strange term, and it can mean a number of different things in the Bible. Uh, the flesh can speak about humanity as a whole. It can be about our physical bodies. But here Paul's use of it is more referring to ethnicity or heritage. Because this is written to uh, Jews who were looking to hold on to those traditions and be qualified before God because of it, putting their confidence in their heritage and who they are. And Paul tells us very clearly, don't do that. Don't put your confidence in the flesh. And this is great news for us, because as Paul works his way through this passage, what he underlines and what we come to see is that the playing field here is level. There is no advantage 
to your heritage and there is no disadvantage in the kingdom of God. There is nothing in our background that qualifies us that lets us say, hey, (laughs) this is what I bring to the table. When we put our confidence there, Paul is telling us that is misplaced. And moreover, therefore, we also know that we don't need to be disadvantaged because of that. And too often the enemy will come to us and speak words that, who are you? Who are you? But we're children of God, aren't we? We come by faith. And therefore our cultural background, our family history, our ethnicity, our heritage, neither excludes us nor includes us. So if you feel excluded, God wants to say to you, no, 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 no. You're in. That's not the basis by which you come. And if you're under the illusion that you have an advantage in the kingdom of God because, oh, my family have been Christians for generations. I went to Sunday school before I was born. My mum was a teacher in the Sunday school. I was there listening from the womb. And I, I, I know all the lessons. But no, no, no. The playing field is leveled here. All come by faith. Don't put your confidence in the flesh. And, moreover, God, uh, uh, Paul here addresses the young and what I'm calling the not-so-young. Okay? You get to decide where you are. All right, I'm not going to presume. Because our flesh ultimately will fail, won't it? And Isaiah 40 tells us that about even young people. Sorry, young people. Uh, Full of exuberance and energy, except first thing in the morning. And and even that will fail. Now, the illusion is for young people that they're just going to go on and on. Hey, nothing's going to go wrong. All right, I'm here to break it to you. It will. (laughs) Just talk to one of my knees after a walk I did recently. I mean... It didn't feel good. The flesh fails. Don't be deceived into thinking that previous generations have somehow missed it because the view of youth is we have a different answer. We have a new answer. Actually, sometimes we just haven't quite understood. It's the truth. I wish I could talk to myself about 30 years ago and tell me that. But it's good news as well for those who are perhaps not so young. Because that does not disqualify us from being giants of faith. And what the world does is it tells us that youth is to be aspired to, doesn't it? That's why I use so many creams on this beautiful complexion. (laughs) What do you mean they're not working? Um, (laughs) That's what the advertising says, doesn't it? Stay young. Stay active. Be vibrant. Get, get retired early so that you can do all of this stuff and live life. And t- Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, claim it. Uh, do you know what? God honours those who live by faith and who age 
well. You know, we're all fading. The flesh is weak, but we're being renewed in our inner man, and we have some giants of faith sitting just next to you now. And I just want to honour you, those who have walked with God for decades, and I want to tell you, God's not done with you. He's not moving on to the young ones. We so need you. We need your faithful understanding of the faithfulness of God over generations and generations. We, we need to hear those stories of how God came through for you. Please tell us your stories. Okay, we love them. And it is good for us to know that. You see, Paul cuts right across that. And he does with the flesh. And he says, please don't put confidence in it. Put your confidence in faith in God. I just want to thank you for your walk with God. Thank you for your example to us. We can learn so much from you. Paul then moves on to address the issue of the law. And in verse 7 to verse 9, he picks up this theme. And he's speaking about his background now, his education. Because he's really well qualified. He is a Hebrew of Hebrews. You can hear the trumpet call. And he says in verse 7, about all of that, he says, whatever was to my profit. So in that culture at that time, he'd done really well. He'd risen to a position of esteem and authority to the extent that he got to persecute the church. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of what? Knowing Christ my Lord. He says he calls it rubbish. I have to tell you, as an educationalist, standing here saying, your education... It's rubbish. Now that can be true sometimes. <laughs> Mine wasn't that spectacular, I have to be honest with you. But Paul here is making it very clear. He says, look, I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. So, how do we come? Where do we put our confidence? Paul's really clear with us that none of us can know our way into the things of God. Yay! I love that. None of us can qualify our way into the kingdom of God. None of us can get letters after our name that put us in the kingdom of God. All of us come by faith. Now, we can mistakenly think that, and people often say, well, the Bible is just a book of rules. It's, a, it's just a, an instruction manual, isn't it? You follow the rules. And they've missed the point. 
You see, we follow the law of God as a response following faith placed in Jesus. And then from that place, we then read and inwardly digest and feed and build our lives on the goodness of God that's revealed to us in his word. It comes that way round. And he speaks very clearly about legalism. He said, look, I was legalistic. I count it as rubbish. Please don't be a rule keeper. (laughs) I was waiting for that. (laughs) So don't be a rule keeper. Be a Christ follower. Follow his example and say, what is my father in heaven doing? Let me just stop and listen. Let's just stop and look because he designed you to live by faith. He designed you for this. And anything short of that, we're missing the glory of the kingdom of God as it grows in our heart. And then, sure, it leads us to live a particular way. Uh, There are plenty of scriptures which we could explore. Uh, I can see Simon getting slightly itchy. (laughs) However, it comes after faith. After faith. And then our heart grows soft towards the things that Jesus has for us. So the gospel is not for the educated. And it's okay for the uneducated. Actually, again, we're not included or excluded by how well we think we do. You know, the I've had a good week syndrome. Worship, worship. I've had a bad week syndrome. Worship, worship. Just kneel down now. I would, but my knees. Um, We're not included or excluded by that. He says, don't put your faith in the law. It just will disappoint. And then he comes on to power. And Paul addresses issues of power, which actually can come out of those first two. You know, if we're born in the right situation with the right heritage, with the right finances behind us, with all the steps up, and then we have the right education and the right instruction, and we glad hand with the right people, we get into the right places, and so on and so forth, and now we're powerful, aren't we? But the power that Paul seems to be referring to is power that raises the dead. Don't settle for less. Earthly things pass away. The real power is found in faith in Jesus. All of that other power is not bad in and of itself. In fact, it's great referring to Esther and Esther. And my daughter today is speaking at her church in Coventry on Esther. So I'm feeling quite encouraged about that, looking to hear how that's gone. But we know that God puts people in positions of influence and power and authority for the right times. He raises them up so that his kingdom comes. So it's not that that's a bad thing, but actually that we mustn't think again, get this round the wrong way and say, well, it's okay, I'll be all right because I've got this sussed. I've got the power to see this through.
actually therein lies a tale of humility for us because God will humble the proud. That's where that kind of power leads us, to be proud. We have wonderful examples all through Scripture, Daniel, Esther, Joseph, so many that have been raised up in real power and authority, which is accompanied by the miraculous people of faith. People of faith. It's accompanied by signs and wonders, Jubilee. It's accompanied by healing. It's accompanied by signs of his power and his grace, supernatural breakthrough. Rob is running a group that is for people who are serious this term about getting serious with God, about laying hands on the sick and seeing them get well. It's a serious group. I know Rob's not a serious person. This is a serious group for those who intentionally want to press into this in faith to explore the gift of healing that God has for us as a people. He's spoken it over us. He's got miraculous breakthrough for us, Jubilee, people of faith. We've seen it. I'm looking around and I can see so many people that I know you've got stories. God healed you. God set you free. God protected you. God came through. What a wonderful uh, story this morning. God knew. He brings all these things together and miracle. Wow. That's what he's got for us. That's real power, not power that comes from all of this heritage stuff, but that comes from knowing Christ and him crucified and going to the cross and just allowing that sacrifice to sink in. But knowing that when we go to the cross, three days later, we arrive at an empty tomb. And the same power is at work in us. Amen? Amen. <laughs> this is what God's got for us. So that's to the powerful. Don't put your confidence there. To the powerless, well, the message is equally of hope. It just doesn't matter. If you feel powerless this morning, I've got news for you. You're not. If you're in Christ, you're not. I don't know any other way to explain it nicely. Sorry, you're not. You might not feel like it, but that's to do with the flesh. Don't put your confidence in the flesh. It lies. Put your confidence in Christ. Read his word. Hear how he talks about you. Hear what he paid for you. See what his inheritance is for you. Now faith is from first to last. Romans 1.17, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by 
by the end of this, that's going to just... Oh. So Paul, through this whole passage, is just encouraging us. Don't put your God-given design to work in the things that will let you down. Put your confidence in Christ. Put your hope in him. Follow his pattern. Look to your father in heaven. He's not far away from you. We've heard, haven't we, as we sang this morning, that he's running after us. Do you know what you need to do? Just stand still. <laughs> Brace yourself. He runs to us. Look at the example of the prodigal son. He's blown it, hasn't he? He's stuffed up in every way possible. And the father there is waiting to run to him. And the robe goes on and the ring goes on and the party is there because actually he belongs. He's one of the family. I just wonder whether there's someone here this morning that needs to get into the family. I wonder whether you haven't ever quite said yes to Jesus. I just want you to know that if that's you this morning, there's an invitation for you today to just stop running because he is catching up with you. He will find you. And actually, his embrace is like nothing else. It's not a judgment. It's not, oh, I've done all of this. It's not, I need to follow all the rules. I can't get with the rules. Don't start there. Start with Jesus. Start with faith. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to the good news of Jesus, please don't wait. Please don't wait. He's here with open arms for you. So as we wrap things up, I'm going to ask us to declare something together. And uh, in a minute, but not before I say so, that's a good teacher thing to do, because we say, that's just, they all run. No! Um, so in a minute, uh, when I say so, uh, there, there's going to be some verses uh, that are going to appear, and I'm going to ask us to read them together as a declaration over ourselves as a people of faith. Okay? That's just to warn you, so get yourself ready. We've covered four areas this morning. We've covered how we're designed to live by faith. For some of you, you need to let that just sink in. You need to go back to God and say, thank you for making me to live in relationship with you. This is what I was made for. This is what I was designed for. We've looked secondly at our cultural background and how it need not be a barrier, nor is it an enabler, because our flesh fails, but our Father in heaven never will. Talk to some of those heroes of faith around the room. Talk to them about the times that Jesus has come through miraculously. We're in a place today that has come through miraculously. Do you know that? There's a story to tell. Talk to Jody about how this came about. He's at work. We've looked at making sure that we don't put our 
our hope and our faith in the law, in what we know, in how qualified we are. Because we don't get to know our way into the kingdom of heaven. We get to know the one who is over the kingdom of heaven, who invites us into his kingdom and invites us to explore by faith. And finally, just prodded a little bit at not settling for less than God's power. And I really want to encourage us, Jubilee, if things are humanly possible, where is the need for God? He starts at the impossible, doesn't he? And he's your father. And he leads you like he led Christ. And we follow Christ's example, leading him, keeping our eyes fixed. And sure, there's a lot of the time when it doesn't feel like it's making sense. And it's hard. And the journey is tough. But we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So Paul finishes with verse 10 to 14. And the translation that we're looking at here is from the message. And I'd like us to read it together. And this I is going to become you, I. So when you read it, you're saying it, okay? Right? It's not a weird third person I. All right? And if you're able to, would you stand... And when we finished reading, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and he's going to start to minister to us and he's going to start to break strongholds that have perhaps been there for years and release us into new faith in believing him for his kingdom to come where you are, in your family, in your workplace, with your friends, in your street, in the situations that you find yourself. Is that okay? He said, not really asking for permission. <clears throat> Here we go. Let's start at the top. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his sufferings, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have all this together, but I have it all made. But I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus, and I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Amen. Holy Spirit, would you come on us as jubilee? Would you come, Holy Spirit, right now and sweep across this room?
Would you come and set us straight on a path of faith? Would you come and deal with our past? Paul says he lets go of the past and he presses on. Whatever we've done, Father, however we've blown it, thank you. Your grace is enough. And now in Jesus' name, I break the stronghold of the limitations of history and heritage in Jesus' name and set you free to believe God to be a mighty man or woman in his kingdom. I set you free from the limits that you've placed on yourself because of what you know or don't know and in Jesus' name, break the stronghold of legalism and set you free in grace to get to know Christ. Thank you, Father. And now, Lord Jesus, I ask you for your power to come. That power that raised Christ from the dead to be filling us and flooding us and sustaining us and renewing us in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We come dependent on you. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are utterly reliable. And through every season of my life, and there have been many, that you've been faithful and you've grown a gift in me. And I want to pray now a blessing of faith gifts right now, straight from the throne room of God. Faith, 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 faith. In Jesus' name, grow our faith. Jubilee, people of faith. Jubilee, people of faith. In Jesus' name, to move mountains, to heal the sick, to see the captives set free. In Jesus' name, to see breakthrough at work, to see breakthrough in families, for gifts of creativity to overflow amongst us because the power of God is on us. I bless you, Jubilee, in Jesus' name. Amen.